Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. Definitely a favorite Sunday of mine every single year. This year is especially special for me because my 49ers have made it to the Super Bowl. But since we are a church, we set good values, I thought here in a moment we can pray for both teams, for the 49ers to win and the Chiefs to lose, so we can do that. Don't worry. Okay, just joking. We don't have to pray for the Chiefs. But um, I did grow up in California. My grandpa was a 49ers fan. I was a 49ers fan. Everyone in my family is a 49ers fan. So just being born here kind of cemented that in, in me. But while I was born in California, a lot of you know, some of you don't, I actually grew up in Nairobi, Kenya, which is in Africa. So our family was a missionary family. At the age of five or six, we moved to Africa, and we stayed there till I was 13 years old. And I was really lucky to come right back into a public middle school in seventh grade. Let me tell you, that was a great welcome to America moment. Got to understand culture very quickly. Uh, so we lived in Missouri, lived in Colorado, and then at the age of 22, I left the home and decided to pursue my love of music and moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And that is where I found the love of my life, Adriana. The crazy thing is every year she reveals this hidden talent that I had no idea that she has. I mean, she's already hilarious. She can preach, she can teach. She actually does my hair. So she gives me my fade every two weeks. I do give her shopping money, but every two weeks she does my hair. And then this past year I found out she can actually sing. Not like just sing, but you know, sing. She can sing. She's not ready, don't ask her, but she can sing. And then all that, she is a black belt. So some may say I'm a lucky man, I say I'm a praying man, and I pray that I never have to experience the training of that black belt. Please pray with me on that one. But let's pray for the service, and then we'll jump right in. Father, thank you for Oasis. Thank you for the community that this is. I pray, Lord, that I speak the word you put in my heart. They receive the word that you've put in my heart. Bless the 49ers and the Chiefs as well. Amen. We got it in. We got it in. So we're going to jump to Matthew 17. So if you want to open your Bibles there, we're going to start in verse 14. And I will start reading that. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy and was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. If you look at verse 14, it says, They came to the crowd. So who is they, and where are they coming from? So it's Jesus and three disciples, Peter, James, and John. The day prior, Jesus had asked those three disciples, come on up to a high mountain with me. We're going to pray. Nothing out of the ordinary. Jesus prays, would leave, would pray with them. That's normal. But then the disciples fall asleep on that mountain, and there's this moment the Bible talks about where it's called the transfiguration. And it's where Jesus actually 
transformed into this other figure. It says his, his face was as bright as the sun. His clothes became bright as light. Then, if that's not enough, Elijah, who 800 years prior was taken up in chariots of fire, and Moses, who we all know had been done dead for like 1,200 years, appear. And Jesus is now talking. Transfigured Jesus is now talking to both of them. Then the disciples wake up. I don't know if you've ever been in this moment where you are dead asleep and somebody calls you and you know you need to an answer, but your brain is still sleeping. This is how Peter felt, because the Bible even said he did not know what to say. So he said, I'm going to build you some tents. Great. Thanks, Peter. And so they, they start to, he tries to start talking, and it's almost as though God just interrupted, because this bright cloud encompasses all of them. And then you hear the voice of God. This is my son, who I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So at this point, the disciples are having this incredible moment. They fall on their face. Uh, Moses and Elijah, they disappear. Jesus goes back to normal Jesus and comes over and says, hey, get up. Don't be afraid. So they had one of the, probably at that moment, the greatest moment of their life. It was incredible. They got to hear the voice of God. They got to see Jesus in this other form, got to see Moses and Elijah, and then they come down the mountain. They get down to the valley. They get down to where we just read. And the other versions of that story say it was just that the scribes were arguing with the disciples. The, the demon-possessed boy was getting thrown to the ground, and you have this father pleading for healing. So in one moment, it was this incredible, exciting experience that they obviously loved. And then in the next moment, the next day, it's chaos. And the, the prayers weren't working. Nothing was happening. I don't know if you've been there where one day you have money in the bank account. Then you go to the store and you try and run that card and it gets declined. Instant, from great, from the mountain to the valley. Or maybe your relationship is perfect. And then they go crazy, just crazy. Have I ever been crazy, baby? She says no. She's lying, though. I know I have a little bit of crazy in me. We all do. What about this? Follow me this one. Perfect Sunday. Service was great. The temperature outside, perfect 75 degrees. You walk over to the parking garage, having a great day with everyone. You get in your week-old vehicle. Just had it for one week. You get in, it still smells nice. You turn on the radio, put the car in drive. You start driving, and you hear this, and you're like, you, you say something, baby? And she said, I didn't say anything, but that post is crying out that you just hit. <laughs> Hypothetically, you ever been there? Yeah, so our car had some yellow paint on it for a little while. Uh, hypothetically, you know. So the, the disciples, they got to experience this quick drop. And I believe that Jesus brought them up to bring them down. Because that elevation, that drop, that altitude drop was intentional. Because the church was going to be built on Peter. And we as a church and we as people need to know how to have faith in all altitudes. It's one thing to, to have faith in the mountaintop where things are good. You hear God's voice. You're literally hearing the voice of God. You're seeing things. You're experiencing things. Everything you want is right there. That's great. But can you have faith in a valley? Can you have faith when things aren't good, when the prayers that you've prayed before were answered and now they're not answered? Can we have faith in that moment? We need to know how to have faith in all altitudes.
it's interesting, in the Old Testament, there's a city uh, still alive today, but there's a story co- uh, about Jericho. And I don't know if you know much about Jericho, but let me tell you, Jericho is the lowest city in the world. If you looked at it right now, it is the lowest city in the world. It's like 846 feet below sea level. The first city, the first battle that the Israelites had to conquer when they went into the promised land was the lowest place on earth. God was saying to them that the first stage of your promise is in the valley. Literally took them to the lowest place on earth. And some of you have been in a valley. Right now you're in a valley and God is saying, hey, you're here. You're experiencing some tension. And you're like, God, you promised this to me. You promised me this job. You promised me this car. You promised me this relationship. And now you're feeling this tension. Well, here's the great thing. It's because your process has begun. Your process to that promise has begun. When Anna and I, uh, we got married in 2012, and we've been happily married since. It's always good just to confirm that, you know, get one of those in, happily married since. In 2000, so that's 2012, in 2015, we were really starting to pray about some things and really trying to seek God's voice on some stuff. And one of the things we felt like we were supposed to do was sell our house. Now, let me tell you about the house, just so you know. If you've ever looked at exchange rates between Los Angeles money and Nashville money, it's like a $1 equals $10. So we had a $140,000 home, but let me tell you what came with that home, okay? Two stories, three bedrooms, two and a half baths, a backyard, a front yard. I mowed the grass. Yeah. I walked out to a mailbox every day, opened it, looked in, waved at the mailman. It was a great mountain to be on. And God was saying, yeah, sell your house, put that money into a music project that we wanted to do. And, and so we did. We started focusing on that. And then we started putting the money in the music project. And I felt like God said, quit your job. Now, just so you know, I went to my leaders before I quit my job. So I don't want you to take my story and walk out and quit your job because Clayton said he quit his job. So please, do I have your agreement on that? Okay, so I quit my job of nine years and then we felt like I said tour and so we did this little tour that we put together which again, my wife put together, incredible. And so we were coming through Los Angeles and we felt like God said, move here. So we're like, okay, we know exactly what's going on. God's bringing us up this mountain. Everything's lining up. And so all of our music dreams, we know is going to happen in L.A. So we get to L.A., and at this point, God said, sell your house. We did. He said, work on the album. We did. Quit your job with leadership approval. We did. Move to L.A. We did. All right, God, we're here. What's next? Lay down your music. I, I think the reception's bad in L.A. Let me, let me come over here. All right, God. Now I'm here. I'm in a good place. Reception's good. Uh, you said something about wanting to lay down a song, lay down some music with me. He said, nope. I said, lay down your music. But God, you, you said to sell the house. You said for music. You said to work on the album. You said to, to tour, you said to travel, you said to move. We did all the things you asked us to do, and now you want us to lay something down? He said, yep, 
He said, I got some things to show you in the valley. I got some things you can't learn in the mountain. I need you to lay down something so I can show you something. So this started this process of laying it down, and we, we did. We laid it down. And we, one thing we prayed, and it was a dangerous prayer. We said, God, if we're laying this down and you're taking us somewhere, take us where no one's willing to go. We prayed a dangerous prayer, and as soon as those words come out of my mouth, I was like, ah, let me get them back. Because I felt as soon as I said that, we're about to go broke, baby. I just know we're about to go broke. We saved up our money, and I know it's going to be gone. It's going to be depleted. And it did happen. So we get, we get down to the bottom of our mountain. We get down to the very bottom of our mountain, and I remember the day we ran out of money. I remember sitting on the bed in, a, in our nice, big, 240-square-foot apartment in Hollywood, which, by the way, said it was 410 till I measured it three times one day, and I was like, this can't be right. I knew I was going crazy for the wrong reason. I'm sitting on my bed. We're running out of money that day, and I knew God was either going to call me, or, or not God, that would have been great. Uh, somebody would call me, get a text message, or a bird was going to fly in with some money in its mouth. None of that happened. No text, no call, no bird, but we did get a knock on our door. And there was this girl that had not had food for three days. She hadn't had water that day. And she was still recovering from some drug use. And we knew what we were supposed to do. We looked at each other and we said, this is the process of our promise. We got to step in our first stage. God brought us to the valley for a reason. And it was there that we started to learn that the valley wasn't just for us, it was for others. God was bringing us somewhere, not just for ourselves. And so we started this, this journey, and we felt like God was saying to us, are you willing to stop where people are stuck? Are you willing to, to in your valley, stop for a moment? See, we would think that if we stopped, it slows it down. But that's not how the kingdom rules work. God is trying to teach you something. So when we were stopping, he was accelerating. When we would stop, he was accelerating. And so we were in this valley, and it was this journey. And as we were, as we were walking down the, the, the mountain with God, and as we were in the valley, there was this, this, this consistency we learned with God. He was, we could have gone back to Nashville. We could have left what was uncomfortable to go to something that was comfortable, but we wanted what was none of that. We just wanted the kingdom. We said, where are you going, Jesus? We'll follow. And so we started walking with Jesus. It was a daily thing. We would walk with him. And he, whether our day was good, whether our day was bad, we just kept walking with him. Whether we had money in our bank account or whether we didn't, we just kept walking with him. Whether we were in a mountain or we were in a valley, we just kept walking with him. And some of you stopped walking. Some of you quit. And this is what I feel God is saying is if you would turn that engine back on. Some of you quit being creative in this tough season. Some of you quit being generous in this tough season. And God is saying, if you turn that engine back on, he's not looking at what you left. He's looking at what's left in your hand. He's looking at the two loaves and the five fish, and he's saying, if you give that to me, watch what I'll do. I'll multiply it. And you got to turn that engine back on. you got to be generous again because it's that season that God is saying, that's when I want to use it. I want to use it here when people can look at that and be like, how did that happen? Because of God. 
How did I get that job? Because of God. It was in my valley season. See, there's things in the, that can only happen in the valley that can't happen in the mountain. And so God's going to take you through this journey. And if you stop where people are stuck, you will see the dry land turn into water. You will see things explode. And the things that you produce in the valley, you'll be taking to the mountaintop with you. The friendships that you develop, they will become with you in the mountains. Go back to verse 16. Uh, it says, and I brought to you your disciples, and, uh, the boy, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. I think it's really important to look at this verse because before Jesus rebuked the demon, he rebuked the faithless. Before he started declaring, he started departing from people that needed to be gone in his life. Before he stepped into what he was supposed to do, he had people step out of the way. And there's a season where we're going to be in a valley, and we need to be careful who we're surrounding ourselves with. We need to say, I need people that are faith-filled right now that can stand next to me. I don't need faithless. I need faithful people that can stand next to me, not faithless. It is important who we surround ourselves with because that will help determine our next stage. And so Jesus was looking at this saying, I don't need any faithless people. I need the faithful, faith-filled people. And if you look at verse 18, it says, Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus has little faith, and we're all aware of what little means. It's the size of the mustard seed. But the word actually has a few meanings. The other word is brief. Jesus wasn't just saying small faith. He was also saying you don't have the duration to stay into. He was saying if you have faith for a moment, if you have faith for a moment, you have faith for a mountain. If you have faith, just a little bit of faith, and some of you are in a valley right now, and God is saying, if you have faith right now in this moment, if you can pray one more time for that family member, if you have lost kids or kids that are not connecting with you, can you pray one more time? Can you reach out one more time? Because if you have faith for a moment, you have faith for that mountain. All right, here's a great mountain right here, okay? This is our best we could do for a mountain. When you are climbing your mountains, we know you're going to climb a mountain, things are good. Oh, I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to put money into to an album. I'm going to now tour. Oh, I'm coming to LA. This is incredible. So this is great. I got on this mountain. This mountain is awesome. God is moving. I'm hearing his voice. And then God puts us through a valley. The thing you have to understand is this was not a bad mountain. This mountain I was on was not bad. But there's something that Jesus does. You have to think about this. Jesus just came down from a mountain with his disciples. He is now turning to the same mountain he just climbed, and he's saying, you got to move. Your past has to move. There's a mountain that you guys have been standing on, and God is saying, you've got to move it. And here's why. 
Here is why. Catch this. Because when there's a mountain here that you keep climbing, God wants this mountain out of the way. Can I tell you why? Because there's a bigger mountain waiting for you. There's a bigger mountain waiting for you to stand on. There's a bigger mountain. And the only way you can get to that mountain is through this valley. You can't skip. I can't jump. I have to actually get through this valley to this mountain. We have to stand for that. And when you get here, there's things that you don't even know. There's fruit that you produce in the valley that you will get there. Some of you are in some deep, deep valleys. Whether you got there because God brought you there or people did stuff that got you there, God will use all of it. And here's the great thing. There's always a bigger mountain, but the depth, the, the, the distance, as far as that valley is, determines the height of your next mountain. So no matter what you're going through right now, whether it's, uh, whether it's financial, whether it's relationship, whatever that is, God is bearing good fruit. This is fruit that you're going to be eating up here. There's friends that you'll, you'll have down here that you're going to get up here and you're going to have a meal with. Why? Because they were with you in the valley. You're going to have that faith down there, and this is going to be with you in the valley. And I'm just going to preach from here. This is great. This feels good right here. Are you guys feeling this? Do you guys understand this? God loves you so much that he's having you move what was good because it's in the wrong place. He wants you to have the most fruitful, fruit-filled, faith-filled friends, faith-filled life. He wants you to walk in that. And sometimes we get so down because it's a hard time. But if you have the perspective that I am bearing fruit, I am planting seeds, there's going to be fruit in this valley. There's going to be things. There's going to be uh, uh, growth. There's going to be things that you cannot get in the mountain. Think about this. In the mountain, when things are going good, it's a lot harder to build stuff there. But in the valley, you learn the skill set. You learn how to do it. The valleys are important. The mountains are important. And I think we can't skip past this point, is that we all go through valleys, all of us. We all go through mountains. And there's this moment where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's kneeled down and he says to his father, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. If you're willing. And God didn't take the cup from him. This was his valley. This was his pain. This is what he was about to go through. And God, his father, did not take his cup. And if he didn't take the cup from his son, why do we think he'll take the cup from me? Why do he think to take the cup from you? See, Jesus died for our sins, but not our valleys. That's where we get to grow with God. That's where we get to walk with God. It's in that valley season. God is going to take your valley season and he's going to make a mountain that you never comprehend. Some of you are in some deep stuff and you feel like nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows, but Jesus does. He's, been, he's, he's cultivating stuff. He's growing stuff. Because when you get to that mountain, you're going to be helping people. And when you stop along the way, you're going to be learning things that he brought you through, and he will use every single good thing. Every bad thing that has come your way, he will use that too. There's nothing our God can't do. And he's looking at each of you. And I feel like he is saying some, to some of you, you feel like God is mad, and he's not mad at you. 
God loves you. There is nothing that you have done, nothing that you will do that will take away his love for you.